Hey folks, we are back at IamDeveloper.com live. That's the new tagline. I'm switching it up. Uh, my name is Nick Taylor, your host, and I'm hanging out with Chan today. Chan, how are you doing? Hey, what's up? I'm doing really good. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's fun to actually get to hang out with you because we've I think we've hung out in like I think the last time I remember hanging out was like at a conference online type of yeah. thing. We we're talking about suspense, maybe or something like that. Like, yeah, I'm trying to remember which one it was. I don't know if it was. Is did Reactathon have a virtual or? Oh, uh... I feel like it was even before. Yeah, maybe it was. When was that? Maybe it was like last yeah. year's like React Advanced or something. Oh yeah, maybe it was, like, it was that. Yeah, I feel like it was like winter or like fall winter time. I remember you were just running a room there, and then you're like, "Hey, anybody want to come say hi?" So I was just like, "Hey, yeah." <laughs> so, <laughs> it was so, nice. It was um, good to, you know, you see all the meet all these people online in like low fidelity, which is like an avatar and like you know whatever they're you know putting out online, and it's really nice when yeah. you get to actually like hang out in a room with somebody and talk and get some you know texture of you know whatever they look and act like, and it's awesome. Yeah, yeah no, for sure, uh, I definitely hear you and. We had our offsite for Netlify recently, which was in Hawaii, which was awesome. But it was, you know, it, to go another level, it was, it was really nice meeting a lot of my coworkers in, in person. Obviously, you know, COVID's still around, but good old pandemic. But it was still great to see everybody. <laughs> and I know a lot of people probably know who you are. But for folks that, because I know we get all walks of life coming in, checking out the stream. So some people just starting out their career. So they might not know who you are. So if maybe give the tldr of who you are yeah for sure so uh my name is michael chan uh, i go by chantastic on the internet i think probably my biggest claim to fame is i had a podcast called react podcast i did that pretty diligently weekly for two and a half years maybe and uh, you know things happened and it became really difficult to to produce after that i kind of have some like i guess maybe like older energy so i think that there's not a lot of stuff that i've done recently that people who are like newer into this field would know about i love podcasting i love like live stuff i've been trying to do a little bit more on youtube these days get some of the things that i've learned over the last i don't know 15 plus years doing this stuff like out of my head and yeah. and onto a page somewhere <laughs> that's how i came to know you originally was uh through the react podcast which is a great podcast if, if folks have never checked it out, even just listening to the old catalog. It's, it's really great. Thanks. Um, I know nowadays I'm in your Discord. I'm more of a lurker in the Discord, but you run, it's, it's called lunch.dev, right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The easiest way to get there is if you go to discord.gg slash lunchdev. I'm going to be reworking the website, but the lunchdev site goes to some old courses that I have sold. Um, really great community over there. We have like a ton of really awesome people. I have really enjoyed that space. It kind of like started to grow at the time that like React Podcast was on the downturn. Just really yeah. awesome people there. Uh, one of my favorite things is just that, you know, there's a lot of hyperbole and anger and hype and, you know, this versus that online in the Twitter yeah. space. And it's really nice to have like a lot of that happening and then have a space to come back to and be like, okay, let's actually talk about this. Like humans, what do these, you know, technologies or these like, you know, uh, movements or kind of like what, what does the hype actually mean for like our real life? And, um, mm -hmm. 
I like, I really love that. And there's a ton of really uh, creative people in there, you know, so like uh, a lot of people who have, um, you know, who, you know, are, are in our collective circle, like uh, Ben Myers, agency web dev, like uh, Anthony, who's in chat right now, looks like, Hey, what's up, Anthony? Shout out. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so it's really been a really fun uh, Lindsay Wardell, like really fun place to just kind of learn how to do creative things like learn how to stream for the first time um you know learn uh, yeah. kind of you know test out ideas of like oh hey does, does this thumbnail like work like what you click on it like all that kind of stuff so i i love that space it's super low-key and it's just some of my favorite people in the industry right now are there and it's just fun to just kind of go through a work week with people that you you know that you, you you know like and want to have like a casual kind of not workplace relationship with like i love that about uh yeah. community discords yeah no for sure yeah i, I hear you i mean uh you know uh, i i love my work and my coworkers are awesome but it's it's nice to have other spaces too for sure uh yeah i i met anthony through streaming actually when i was doing the dev 2 stream he came on a couple times i believe and he's been on this stream now but uh yeah uh, anthony's super cool dude and super knowledgeable even though he hasn't been in the space that long like from what he yeah. told me like i think you know like kind of blew up on the scene i feel like you know yeah so yeah uh, it's so awesome yeah yeah big, big shout um, out anthony's like all over the place i freaking love it <laughs> yeah i was listening to uh is it the modern web podcast yesterday because i go i go for like a long walk at nighttime just to kind of you know since we sit down all day um and yeah, i was listening to mo modern i think it's modern dot web dev or it's the one that uh, tracy yeah. lee's company runs yep. and uh yeah he was talking frameworks with a, a friend of his i think chris and then like tracy and a few other people it was and it was, it was good good chat so it's uh yeah it's nice seeing it, it, i don't know it's you know the pandemic's been rough for a lot of folks yeah anthony dropped it there um yeah there was hot takes in it too one thing that i think that's been cool about the pandemic if you can find a cool aspect of a pandemic is <laughs> just a lot of people started doing stuff like streaming more podcasts just yeah. just hanging out anytime i've asked somebody hey you want to come do this thing they're like yeah sure you know it's like you know what not what else do i have to do but like i think pandemic just made people just come at least for the people i've been with that's uh, i feel like people have come a lot closer i joined like a virtual coffee community which uh, i have some good friends there now I still hope the pandemic uh, goes away uh, soon, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting, like, th that I totally agree with you. That is one of the great things that came out of this. Or it's a, it's a good side effect, right? You know, whatever the impetus yeah. ended up being, like, I really appreciate the side effect, which is we got a lot more comfortable having online relationships. It's at yeah. the point now where it's like, I don't really remember who I haven't actually met in person now because you know those relationships have been like so well fleshed out that's a really interesting shift and i think that there's something especially in tech where jobs change so rapidly you know communities like you said like you know virtual coffee like discord communities all that kind of stuff becomes so critical because like those are your like long-term relationships in 
your long-term workplace relationships, right? It's not really happening on LinkedIn. And it's definitely not happening on Twitter where you actually develop meaningful relationships. It's happening in these discords where it's like you actually can have a conversation with somebody, get introduced to people that you didn't know by virtue of like being in someone else's space. You know, just that like linkability too, right? You'd said LunchDev is a channel that you lurk in. And I do the same thing for a, a bunch of other servers, but like that linkability to be able to be like, oh yeah, like, you know, Nick's in here, yeah. like we can mention him and just kind of like, you know, get him in the conversation. That kind of stuff is so cool. You can actually like feel and see the network effects and I yeah. freaking love it. I love it. Yeah, no, for sure. And the thing I always say to people too is you'd be a lot more surprised than you realize like how many people really want to help you or really want you to win, you know, like sure there's yeah. crappy people on the internet, but like, and I say this also being a white guy in tech, so I know I have a lot of privilege, but I've just met so many awesome people and I've helped out some people, they've helped me out or, or you know, just being friends, you know, it doesn't always have to be about take, take, take or, you know, so it's like, uh, I don't know. I've just found it's been pretty awesome. And like, you know, I've been working remote since before the pandemic. And I don't know about you, I I would guess it's the same sentiment, but I'm imagining you probably don't want to work in an office or maybe I could be wrong there. I'm just kind of done with it, I think. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Like it was an interesting shift because I think I am a homebody type of person. I don't okay. have a lot of need to leave the house. I like the work from home thing. However, it through the height of the pandemic, we did have like, you know, our small little family did have like this new mode of having to learn how to operate together. And so I have found, and again, I mean, this is like an incredible privilege, but so working at Chromatic, because it's a fully distributed company, they have offered to pay for a co-working space for me. So I have, you know, a a small desk at a co-working space nearby. And that has been like the dream setup for me. It's like, at being able to have a place that is like fully separated from both workplace water cooler stuff and separated from yeah. home. Like, hey, can you get me a snack? Or like, oh, hey, I found this like cool TikTok. Separated from both of those things where you can just like go and like jam out work for a little bit and then okay. go back into those other modes. It's like freaking awesome. Co-working space, I can definitely see. I, I, I just you know because like you can go whenever you want for me it was more like i'm in a in a big city in canada so montreal so like when i used to commute i'd walk to the train or take a bus to the train and then i'd take the train and where i live it's like it would take me about an hour to get there and then an hour back and then if i wanted to go to the gym i was doing it at my lunch hour and stuff and yeah like there's a lot of time lost you know and i am a sociable person so it's it's not like it's because i didn't want to hang out with people but working from home now it's like like this morning like monday wednesday fridays i work out in the morning so i'm up at like 6 15 and then i'm working out at seven i'm done at like eight o'clock my kids are up going to school and then like i can start my day and i haven't lost two hours yet for me that stuff's kind of game changer for me at least but i still go meet old co-workers or friends for drinks or coffee because like you still want to see people obviously <laughs> yep, yep. I, I i found I found for me, like, it's been a great balance that I haven't looked into a co-working space yet, but I know there, there are some folks here that I know that do do that as well. So it could be something I look at in the future, maybe. 
it's interesting like how much time you get back when you don't have to spend so much time on the road like that was kind of like huge like feeling that for the first time of like oh my gosh like you know especially like traffic you know like everybody's on the road yeah. like that time of day and, and you know using public transportation you avoid a little bit of that but you're still probably like yeah. stuffed into a like tube with a bunch of people like that you don't yeah. want to be stuffed into a tube with <laughs> yeah I, I totally i totally hear you it's having the options is like a really nice privilege and and luxury and i'm really glad that we kind of have been thrust into the future of remote work that kind of looked a lot further yeah. away uh two and a half three years ago i find it just gives me back some time to stuff for stuff i can meet my daughter after school and pick her up like it's not too far away you know as before if i yeah. was commuting that that just wouldn't happen or i'd have to leave super early and then i would be working in the evening late you know it's so like it's there's a lot of things it brings i think i know i do have other people though that they they like doing the hybrid being in an office still too and i'm like I'm not gonna judge anybody <laughs> obviously it's like if that's what works for them go for it so oh totally um, yeah some people need that space i don't mean that in a good or bad kind of way it's just like different people operate differently and it, i know that this has been a really hard time for a lot of people in the same way that it's been oh yeah, yeah. maybe a, a a better working environment for uh, the two of us <laughs> yeah no no for sure it's not i mean we're i i think we're pretty lucky in tech too you know like like we don't you know like our job does not literally require us to physically be wherever the yeah. job is you know and i know that's not everybody so I realize that too. If you can, I, I just find it's better. Oh, it's great. It's great. I love it. I love it. Well, sp speaking of that, that's a good segue to talk about like, hey, what are we going to talk about today? So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but are you, are you working at Chromatic right now or are you like an advocate for them? Like, I, I don't, I'm not really sure how you fit into the puzzle there. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. Um, Actually, it's you know, it's, it's really interesting and in that we could, uh, we could talk about that for a really long time, but I will, I will just answer the question. So I work for Chromatic. Chromatic is a software company that offers a service that integrates with Storybook. And we also build and maintain Storybook. We kind of use the business to fund the open source development. We have a number of, I think maybe four or five full-time people dedicated to making sure that Storybook continues to progress, adopts new frameworks yeah. and features and bundlers and all that kind of stuff so that we can continue to support the really big community of people who are using it to build incredible user experiences. Um, I work for them and my job is to help educate people in the, the ways of storybook and chromatic. And so I'm still kind of coming up to speed on that every day. I feel like I'm learning new features. I actually came to, you know, chromatic and storybook from my last job. I was a front end architect for a handful of years at my last company. And we had a really interesting challenge where we had we we're building like a white label framework, UI framework that needed to okay. support 10 discrete applications that were individually themed. And were, we were moving towards all of them having like a light and dark and high and low contrast modes. So that's a, a lot of uh, variations for this yeah. framework to have. Yeah, lots. And so I actually did a talk recently, both at React Advanced and then kind of more in depth at Reactathon, 
talking about like how that actually multiplies out when you have just a UI component, but then it has like multiple variations. It's themable and you have, you know, multiple contrast modes and all that stuff. Like how quickly just one component can be like tens of thousands of possible states, like very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of insane. And I think that like a lot of front-end developers survive by just not thinking about it. They're like, well, you know, like we, if there's a problem, it'll just kind of like raise up to the surface and, you know, we'll we'll deal with it then. But when we actually like multiply the problem out, there's just so many, there's such a huge surface area for bugs. I came to Chromatic and Storybook because I really needed a way to help bring the designers and front-end developers together in a place where we could say like, oh no, this actually did break all of these things, right? And it's not because yeah. someone has some secret knowledge about like, oh, there's this weird edge case in this browser and like whatever, but because there was a, a robot ran a visual snapshot <laughs> between these two things and we can actually see how it changed and have a conversation about it. I think yeah. I had gotten really tired of being the person who held all of the keys to like, oh, well, you know, if you change that, then that's going to break this app integration over here. And, you know, like there's this weird edge case that we're trying to support for IE, but just in there. And so like, yeah, I know that you don't have that use case, so you're not worried about it. But we, you know, as this kind of like baseline framework, we have to think about it because of this one product that's like public facing. Like, and so I just got so tired of being the person who had to keep all of that in my head that... I was looking, I was eager, desperate for solutions like Chromatic and Storybook. When that, that role came to an end, I had already developed some relationships with the people over there. And I was like, you know what? It would be kind of fun to work on all of the design systems. So let's, yeah. uh, let's do this thing. <laughs> no, that's super cool. That's super cool. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I came across Storybook in 2017, I think. This is like... Uh, given a bit of history here, but I, I used to use Meteor JS. I don't know if you ever ended up using that. Yeah. So Meteor JS was like for folks, depending on how long you've been doing web dev, it was like universal JavaScript. So like you write server and client side, and then there was pieces that you could use on both. And the, it was a really cool thing at the time. Everything was JavaScript. So the database was Mongo, so yeah. JSON or whatever. And then there was what's his name he started he started storybook his name's escaping me at the moment he ended up working at Vercel eventually and then he's doing his own thing again doing teaching but oh interesting storybook started as something kind of in that meteor era and i, I don't yeah. think it was tightly integrated to meteor but it was just like because uh, react was being used so yeah, it's going to bother me what his name is. I'll find it later. But anyways, yeah. And then I think at some point, I the evolution, like Meteor is still around, I think, but they became Apollo, like Apollo GraphQL. Yes. I think. I, I'm just doing my fact checking here. Make sure I can. Yeah, no, no, no. You're, then, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. And then like Storybook itself, it became its own thing and it was still open mm -hmm. source. And I think dominic who you work with and yes. uh, i forget who else but i i think they be, kind of became the stewards like the maintainers of it and then i guess that's how chromatic came to be eventually or you got you you got so much of it right yeah there's so dom is my manager of the dx team and then i think norbert and shillman or michael shillman were two yeah. of the two of the people who were kind of stewarding storybook at the the time and so then 
Okay. They all gathered together and like, hey, let's, you know, really dedicate to this open source product. Let's build a service around it. And so then EO Chromatic came after that as a tightly integrated thing. But yeah, it's really interesting. Like there's a huge amount of potential energy in Meteor and it didn't end up being the thing that people wanted it to be. But it's really interesting to see how much potential energy there was in the the ideas and the products that were made at that time and how they spun off into like, you know, very successful other products. I dropped it in the chat, but I found it because I didn't, I Googled it and it, it showed up on the storybook docs, but it, uh, yeah, there was there a company go. called Kadira and it was Aranota. That's who it was. Yeah. Anyways, just giving a little shout out to Aranota because he did a lot. <laughs> he did a bunch of stuff for Meteor as well, but yeah, cool, cool. Norbert and Michael Schumann, I haven't spoken to them, but we follow each other on Twitter now, I think. So it's just like, yeah, it's kind of cool. There's like a lot of stuff's been going on. I know we're going to, we're going to jump into something soon, but there's been a lot of changes to the storybook over the years in a good way. I think at least when it originally came out, it was because Webpack was, came onto the scene, I think maybe 2014 or I think Webpack really got accelerated because of React, honestly, because before that it was like Browserify. Storybook was using Webpack and had been using Webpack for quite a long time, as far as I know. And I, mm -hmm. uh, when I was at Dev2 still, I, I, I'm not positive of the version. I think it's like Storybook 6. You started introducing other bundlers. Is that right? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So we now have Vite support. There's still a handful of features that we're continuing to deeply integrate. So if we do a demo today, I'll, we'll probably use Webpack just because it's the most stable. And we've actually done a huge yeah. amount of work to get some of the components like just in time so that the webpack version of it actually competes pretty favorably with Vite. Integrating more bundlers is a really important thing. I think two of the big things that we wanted to solve over the last year, and I say we, but I mean the storybook engineers that are actually doing the hard work here. This is like Tom Coleman, Jan Braga, like Norbert, Michael Schulman. Hopefully I'm not missing anybody, but yeah, working on these problems, both chromatic and, and storybook. But yeah, I know I'm going to forget people and I feel bad about that, but it's just in this mode, it's kind of like, you're like searching your mind and it's like, it's so cloudy. There's so many things I want to talk about. I apologize right <laughs> up front. What we're doing, um, so like a handful of the big focuses that we've had this last year have been bringing more of the community into storybooks. So like Vite has been huge and a lot of people love Vite and we want to bring more availability of storybook to Feet. We have added a new bundler support and through that work, it should be easier to do additional bundlers as new things start to come online now that it's kind of abstracted away a little bit. Okay. But then also it's like, uh, you know, through that, there's a handful of other <laughs> things that, have, <laughs> that are helping us like do more. Something that I'm really excited about is we're working on this feature that would allow anything that uses component story format. And we'll talk, we'll, touch more on the details of that in just a little bit, but you'd mentioned it. Component story format is this way to write stories and mm -hmm. consequently tests using just an ES module format. But then we do like a little bit of wiring up based on the file name to kind of like have some like really nice like niceties. And the cool thing about that is very soon, Anything that uses component story format, so like Ladle's one of these things that is a, I mean, I guess like storybook competitor. I'll just say like storybook okay. alternative, but it uses the same 
component story format to write stories in. And I think coming up soon, we're really hoping to release some features that would allow anything that uses component story format to integrate with chromatic and get the benefit of visual regression testing. I mean, this is all kind of like, you know, a little bit far away, but I think it's important because I think it it just kind of like shows like where we're going. Like we want to bring more of the community into this way of development. And so I think there's a lot of things that feel like or sound like competitors at the moment, but we are really hoping that it to kind of like rally around this component story format as a way of declaratively documenting and testing components and then kind of figuring out like what we can do around that you know every community kind of has their own version of like what a storybook looks like and so i think you know more power to you right like make it you know make a you know svelte and veet and like whatever thing but if you can kind of use this story format then like you can still have like the benefit a lot of the tooling ecosystem of like add-ons and all that kind of stuff so that's what we're working towards obviously these things just take a lot of time but i think you know the more tools the better our goal is to just improve the ux of the web and i think that there's so much innovation happening there's no way that we could like be the kind of like gatekeepers of it all. So I'm just really excited that we're yeah. able to migrate the software to like meet some of, meet the community okay. where it's going. That's super cool. And and it's great to work on a standard like that. I, I dropped a couple links to the component story format. Oh, cool. Um, Thank you. We'll, we'll get to the live code in a minute. But the one thing I really <laughs> want to say that's really compelling about Storybook is so when I was working at, I'd used it prior to working at Dev.2, but at Dev.2, the app, and I, I know you've worked on a Rails app before too, but it's like a monolithic Rails app. And we were using Preact in the front end in kind of like a bespoke manner. And the fact that I put Storybook in place there before I was working there, cause it's open source. And I was so glad I did that because like, you can literally build out these components without even running the entire rails app like so like yes you know which is like huge like that that is like 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 when you're in all js land maybe you don't necessarily feel that as much but like just being able to say like i don't even need like the database anything like i don't need anything running i can literally just go to my canvas and start painting you know like that to me is like such a huge thing yeah, it's it, like it's good architecture, right? The benefit of components is their isolation, right? Like they should be disconnected from data. We should be able to kind of like mock things very easily, as easily as just throwing an object at it and saying like, this is what a user data will look like when you eventually have it. But like, we don't need to like yeah. wire all of this test environment stuff up. And I think that that Rails kind of analog is super important because so much of you know, I, I am a front end developer, right? Like that's, that's how yeah. I identify. I've never been like a, you know, full stack developer. Like I do enjoy kind of going into full stack sometimes for some of my own projects, but I love the front end side of things. And yeah, I was amazed how every job I had really required me to be a full stack developer to like twiddle certain things or like, you know, change a database response or fix up the Rails environment or have these fake migrations to run to get into, you know, certain states. And it's like, I didn't want to deal with any of that nonsense, right? Like the beautiful thing about working with components is we can test them and document them 
separated from the full stack. And I think that's something that's like really yeah. cool is being able to visually test as a test between a component and its integration with the browser without mm -hmm. having to like bring along the full stack with it. That is really the superpower of this like storybook chromatic pairing is because it feels so light compared to what we've had to do in the past on like just doing front end stuff and like trying to maintain a, a rails yeah. test environment and how slow they were for like visual tests. It's just like, it's just better. <laughs> There's a question in the chat from Dalbert 74 saying, how do you keep your storybook stories, the input to your components in storybook up to date with the actual context in which the component will need to live slash be rendered. So I guess within Storybook or in the real app, how can you kind of make guarantees? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is interesting. TypeScript helps out a lot with this. So like if you are doing your componentry in TypeScript, then that will really provide a mechanism when you like update your component library and then like try to use it, you're going to start yeah. getting errors inside of your code base where it lives to say like, hey, this interface isn't compatible anymore. I think that if you aren't using TypeScript, you do have to be a little bit more uh, vigilant about that. There's always going to be some level of having to coordinate interface changes. I think TypeScript does help a lot with that. Uh, one thing that we see a lot is, you know, so like MSW is a really great way of like mocking data requests. I find that to be like a really helpful way. Like if you want to actually try to like see what a component looks like with actually making a request, we do have some add-ons yeah. that allow you to use mock service worker. And sometimes some of those abstractions can actually be shared between your coding environment to, you know, if you want an offline coding environment and then also your storybook. Yeah. So I think, you know, TypeScript is great if you have the privilege and, uh, people to do TypeScript, but then also like using things like MSW is really nice too. Yeah. Mock service worker is really great. It's a nice way to really handle stuff because like before mock service worker, I remember like, you know, like whether it's in component tests or just regular tests in Jest, for example, it's like, you'd be like, okay, you know, mock the fetch. And then like all of a sudden you're mocking all these things and it's just like, <laughs> It, you know, this way, I mean, you, you're still mocking things, but it kind of gets it out of the way. And it's, it's, yeah. you know, it's, I, I feel like it's a lot more manageable and, and it's using something in the platform too, which is pretty neat. So, yes. Yeah. yeah it's really nice yeah. because a lot of those things that, that it, it feels like it's doing it at the right level. Right. As opposed to like you having to like go in and monkey patch a bunch of stuff. It's like, Hey, this request yeah. is going to go out and we're just going to catch it when it fails. And I, I really yeah. like that. 